We started a series the first of the year called Mindset. And so we are going to finish that series today. And the whole uh, thesis of the series, basically summed up in a sentence, is if we want to change our life, we have to change the way that we think. What shows up in our mind shows up in our hands. That thoughts, in, in, in one way to say it, thoughts, our thoughts create our reality. And we've been looking at who I've been calling the ultimate thought warrior, the Apostle Paul, who talks the most about this. That part of becoming a Christian, part of, of walking in our destiny as Christians is renewing our minds, ch- changing the way that we think, that, that our minds can be compared to a train station. Our minds are a train station. And so our thoughts are taking us somewhere. Our, our most powerful, our most thought, like provoking the things that we're entertaining in our mind eventually is, is going to end up in our lives. And so we're, we've been di- you know, diving into this, and, uh, and today I really want to talk about the subject of, of anxiety. The Bible talks about anxiety. It talks about what, you know, when our mind races, I don't really know how to define it. We're going to look at the biblical definition of anxiety, but, but does your mind ever race? Mine does. My mind races, and it's usually not to the best case scenario. <laughs> my, my mind races when I get on that train, the, a train of anxiety, it's not a good train. <laughs> um, it, 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 I end up in places I don't want to go, thinking things that I don't want to think, uh, you know, when my mind races, it races to the worst case scenario, the, the worst possible outcome. And I'm glad that I'm not alone in this. I'm glad that the Apostle Paul wrote about this, a man that God trusted to write a third of the New Testament, talks about his struggle with this. What, what, what do we do when our mind races? And, and, and so two verses before the verses that we read last week in Philippians 4 He talks about anxiety. So we're going to look at Philippians 4, verse 6 and verse 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Somebody say everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Now, telling someone who's struggling with anxiety to not be anxious is like telling someone with a cold not to sneeze or to tell someone with a broke leg to run a marathon. You know, like, like, you know, or to tell someone with a broke arm that's trying to swim, to swim harder, right? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. But, but I want to just, before we jump into this, because the Bible gives some antidotes to, to anxiety, and I want to I, I title this message, to, you know, Help to the Anxious Mind. I want to really look at the opportunity that's in front of us. The American Journal, American Medical Association Journal, put out a an article a few years ago and said that if worry was in an Olympic event, the U.S. would win the gold medal. That the United States now is the most anxious country in the world, if you're looking at what's being prescribed and what people are you know, seeking help for in the, in the medical field. Robert Lehay, in, ex- in his book, Anxiety Free, 
unravel your fears before they unravel you. He said that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psych patient did in the 1950s. The kids are anxious. And I can get anxious. <laughs> I'll never forget, I was very anxious one time, and one of our board members, trustees, set me to the side and said, I want to tell you this. When I took over a command, another, another colonel told me this. And he said, when dad freaks out, the kids get nervous. <laughs> so why are kids anxious? Well, because maybe we are. And so I want to look at the, the definition of anxiety according to the Bible. There's one main word that's used there, and it's two words. It's a verb and a noun combined. The biblical word for anxiety, merimneo, or if you write it in your, in your like, word processor, it autocorrects to marinate. But the, the verb part of that word in Greek is to divide, and the noun part is the mind. A divided mind, an anxious mind. The Latin word is, is two words. Again, angst and A-N-X is the first one, and it means angst, A-N-G-S-T. And then the last half of the word is to take one's breath, to constrict. So a worry that is, is causing you to lose your breath. But my favorite definition is, is from the native Hawaiians. And when, you know, the Europeans started coming and settling in their land in Hawaii, they noticed something about these European immigrants, that they were in a hurry to build harbors and ranches and plantations. And so the native Hawaiians said that they seemed short of breath, so they came up with a word for them called haole, a haole, which means no breath. If you've ever been in Hawaii, you're a haole, you're a kook. Right? I've been to Hawaii one time, and I have a friend, a close friend, his name's Kaipo, grew up in Hawaii, and he called me in favors. And so I got, to, I, pat, I got to paddle out with a Hawaiian when I first got there so that I, you know, didn't get put in the Howley category immediately. But Howley means someone who has no breath. So I just want you to do this for a moment. Look at, just, just take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. Because that's what anxiety really wants to do. It wants to, it wants to take our breath. It wants to get us so worried and concerned and anxious. And Paul, the apostle, tells us to be anxious for nothing, chained up to a Roman guard in a Roman prison awaiting his execution. That's where he wrote these words. And so he's not sitting poolside in Maui here, he, he's not on a cloud, a glory cloud with Gabriel or with, you know, in heaven somewhere far removed from the problems of the world. He was, had everything in the world to be anxious about. And he says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And then he gives a few things that we can do. The first thing I want you to see is if you're anxious about something... I like to just carry my worries around with me in a box. <laughs> if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it's keeping you up at night, God is thinking about it. If it's taking sleep from you, I can promise you it's on God's heart. 
Because a lot of times when I know when I get really, really anxious, I remove God completely out of my consciousness. I feel alone. I feel helpless. I feel isolated. I feel like there's nobody in the world that, that feels the way that I feel. And we don't know a lot about anxiety. I mean, I think the medical world is just catching up. Is, it, is, is, is anxiety a disease? Is it genetics? Is it passed down from dad and grandfather or mom? I, I, is it an addiction? Have you ever met somebody that is just addicted to worry? They got to have something to worry about. Now, if you brought them here, don't look at them. But you know, we all got that, fa- like, they, like they have to create a crisis or they're not at, they're not at peace. Something's got to be wrong. Their world's got to be ending or like that, like, or I don't know. Is it, a, is it an addiction? Is it, is it biological? Is it both? I don't know. I don't know. But the Bible talks about a few things that we can do. The first thing that the apostle Paul tells us to do, he says, be anxious for nothing, but Pray. Pray. And the thing about prayer is, is sometimes we reserve that for the very last resort. As a Christian, I, I, I'm confessing to you that there's times where I've had big problems in my life, and before I prayed, I set up a meeting with a doctor, and I phoned a friend, and then another friend. And I sat down with a counselor, and then I made a Facebook poll to see what my friend, you know, like, like you know, do you see what I'm saying? We do everything else, and then, and, then, and then it's like, well, I guess now all we can do is pray. All we should do is pray. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. We should start with prayer. Paul said, if you're anxious, pray. If you're worried, pray. If you don't know what tomorrow's going to hold in your life, pray. That you really can't pray too much. And, and the thing about prayer is I'm finding in my life is, is prayer may not move God, but it moves me. Prayer not, may not change the situation that I'm in right now. Prayer may not bring the answer that I need, but we know that prayer changes us. Dr. Caroline Leaf, she wrote this book called Switch On Your Brain. Really good book. And she studied what happens in people's brains when they pray. And this is, this is what she said, that if it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over eight weeks can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. This type of prayer, focused prayer, increases activity in the brain in areas associated with social interaction, compassion, and sensitivity to others. So there's medical benefits of prayer. This is not just a re- religious thing, that when we pray, I mean, it may not change what's happening outside, but it can change the way that we think. It can change what's going on between our ears. And so, but, but here's, here's the real struggle. When we face something that's bigger than us that we don't have the ability to fix, we got a soul and a spirit in us that want to go to God. I think we go to where we came from to get what we need. Our body came from the dirt, so it goes to, to the earth to get what it needs, food and water. You got, it needs it to survive. But your soul and your spirit, it said God breathed that into you. And so when we hit something that we don't know what to do, our soul and our spirit wants to run to God, but our body wants to do something else. Our body wants to worry. Our body wants to stress over it. 
Our body wants to try to figure it out on our own. Our body wants to control the outcome. Our body wants to phone a friend or an expert or find somebody that we can sit down with and tangibly fix this. Like our, our body is in our soul and our spirit. Paul t- talked about the flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other. And so what I, what I want to challenge all of us to do, and I am preaching to the choir, is that when I face something in my life that causes anxiety, I'm going to make a logical decision to trust God with it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to, try to, to, to play chess and put myself in the seat of God. Paul writes about this in Romans 8. He says, those who live according to the flesh, this is where their minds are. It's set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the spirit, that's at odds with our body and flesh, have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. And he says, make your petitions known to God. And so what do we do? What does that mean? It means taking that stuff that you're worried about right now. You don't have to act like you got it all together at church. This is not that church. Okay? This is not that church. You don't have to put on your Sunday best and fake it till you make it and act like you ain't got no problems. If you have no problems, please come up here and take a mic and preach this sermon. Your open invitation. So, so we have our worries. I don't know if I can keep up at this pace of life. I'm tired. I'll give it to God. Doctor's report came back. It's not good. Give it to God. I mean, I could just, I could do this. How am I going to pay the rent this month? I got more months than I got money. Give it to God. Pray about everything. Make your petitions known to God. But this, this is what I like to do. I, I pray about it. I put it in God's hands. And then I wait about an hour. So got that doctor's report, God. It's still there. The rent's due on the 30th. And so what we we do, what I do, I mean, maybe not you, I I get to pray about everything and and make your petitions known to God, but, but I like to put them back in my box. Because I like to just talk to people and, and introduce myself with what, what I'm carrying. But God, no, no, no. Paul said, pray about everything. Make your petitions known to God. And, and this is what we have to do. I think the more that we do that in our life, the more that we bring our stuff to God and we, and we pray about it, what begins to happen is our God box gets bigger. Our God box is bigger because your worry box wants to be the biggest box in your life. 
Your worry box wants to be the first box you introduce yourself with. I don't, I don't want to talk about how good my God is. I want you to know how big my problems are. But when we pray, what happens is we take the focus off of our problem and we, and we begin to look at a God who is there and who answers and who gives us promises like, I am your healer. And promises like, I will provide for you. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow will worry about itself. Like, you know, there's enough evil in, in the day thereof. Like, how many of you can worry yourself into a cure or worry yourself into a sleep? Like, the more that we take it to God, the bigger our God box begins to get. And so how, 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 do we just, how do we get our worries into the God box? First Peter, I think, gives us a little bit more detail on this. He says to cast our cares. Cast them. All of them. Your anxieties, your worries, your concerns, once and for all. Don't pull them back out. On him, for he cares about you with deep affection, and he watches over you very carefully. How do we get our worries and put them in the hands of God? I want to just give you a couple of things that I feel like have helped me. Number one, I will do what I can do. I've noticed I've I've gone to bed with a lot of anxiety over things that I've put off today until tomorrow. Does that make sense? That I'm praying about things that maybe God has given me the tools to be able to do. For instance, maybe I've got bad breath (laughs) and people start noticing at work and they don't want to talk to me and they're getting, they're just like, they're standing away from me and I've got this bad breath and I've prayed and prayed and prayed for God to take this bad breath and it keeps me up at night. I'm driving to work praying, Lord, I mean, I hope somebody will get within six feet of me. You know, I got this stanky breath, but I mean, Lord, you could take this bad breath. And then, but maybe, maybe the answer to that prayer is God told you to go to CVS and get you a toothbrush and some toothpaste, right? <laughs> or I've heard one, one pastor say, God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. I prayed for a hundred on a lot of tests that I didn't study for. So I have to do what I can do. If it's keeping me up at night, have I done everything in my power to fix this? Because I know when I go to bed, I'll have high anxiety over things that I should have done that day. I mean, you can call them and ask for forgiveness. They have a phone. I mean, maybe they won't answer. Write them a letter. Jesus was so serious about that. He said, if you've got an offense against a brother, keep your offering. Go get it right. Have I done all that I can do? And I offend people a lot now these days. I don't know what, but so so like I I have to, like an apology goes a long way. I mean, an apology really helps with a night's sleep. When you know that, okay, Paul said, live at peace as as much as you can, as, as much as it depends on you. Live at peace with all men. Some people are just not going to like you. Your spirit and their spirit don't drive. Come on, right? But, but how much sleep have I lost wondering if, you know, what they're saying or what they're thinking or what they're posting? And I've talked to everybody else, their second cousin, their aunt, their grandma, 
You know, I even talked to their dog about it, but I haven't gone to them yet. Is, is this making sense? I'm gonna, I gotta do what I can do. I, I, and don't, I, I can't really blame God for the stuff I'm worrying about that I haven't done everything I can with the tools he's given me to make it right. The second thing is I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna give God what I can't do. I brushed my teeth, I got toothpaste, I did, the, I did the mouthwash, and my breath still stinks. Now I'm trusting God. You know, it's like, you know, now, now you know, I called them, I wrote the letter, I asked for forgiveness, they don't want to see me, they avoid me, they won't even come to Thanksgiving if they know I'm going to be there. It's in God's hands now. I've done all I can do, right? I need a job, I applied three times, they never called me back. Or they told me that, you know, I've done all I can. I applied to the school four times, didn't get in. Okay, I've done all I can. I got to pray about it now. I've done, I've done all I can do. And, I, and so I'm going to give what I can't do to God. And then here's the real, this is where the rubber meets the road. I think this is where anxiety does its best work. It's trusting God with the in-between. Right? That's where the real anxiety is. It's not when I've done all that I can do, and it's not after I come out and I've prayed about it, and I know that I've done everything I can to do, and I've prayed about it. It's walking away without the answer. It's not seeing the outcome that we prayed about, that we worked so hard to see. It's the, it's the in-between. It's, it's uh, you know, what am I thinking when I'm between the miracle and the mountain? It's the valley. It's when we have gone to church and we did ask for forgiveness and we did try the best that we knew to try. And it still, it still didn't happen. Pray about everything. And with petitions and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I think what Paul is saying is eventually we just got to take that worry box. Cast your care. It's a fishing term. You ever threw a cast net? You got to let it go <laughs> for it to work. If you don't, it'll hurt you. If you got something in your mouth, like I like to throw it with, a, with it in my mouth, it'll rip teeth out, y'all. It'll hurt. Let it go. And, and Paul gives a prescription here. There's a pattern in this. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. And I, I want to share this with you, and then we're, we're going we're gonna to close. I think this has helped me. And I'm not talking, I mean, everybody has a level of anxiety. If you're alive, you've got some kind of level of anxiety. If, if, if anything's responsible you're, you know, you're, to you, You've got anxiety over that thing, right? I mean, I, I could tell, I've, I've got worries. I could tell you all about what's in my worry box. I, I worry about my family. My wife will say, hey, I'm running to the store. Three hours later, I'm like, she's in a wreck. Something happened, right? I worry about my child. I worry about my son. Like, like what is he seeing at school? What's going on at school? Like, I, I worry about crazy stuff like hypersonic missiles, I know. Isn't that crazy? I've never been in the military, but I know what they are, and I know they're fast. 
I worry about that. Like, like they're, they're at war in the East right now, and that's bad stuff. Like, that's what I worry about, you know? So I watch a bunch of World War I and II documentaries, hoping that maybe it'll help me. I don't know. Like, that, I mean, that's, that's the stuff that I worry about. I worry about that my grandfather struggled with addiction and was an alcoholic, and his dad was. I worry about that. And this is what I do. This is, and this has helped me. For the last about 18 years, 20 years, I've carried around a notebook everywhere I go. And I, I, for the first 12 years or so, it was a composite notebook. The black and white ones that look like a cow because they're cheap. So I would order a 10-pack of them. They're about a dollar a piece. And I carried that around. And one time, I'll never forget this, it all started with this evangelist that came to the church. I had just became a Christian. I was 18 years old. And he came in and he preached a message on restoration. And he called an altar call and he had everybody up at the altar. And he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write down the three things that you need God to do in your life this year. Three things. I didn't have a notebook. So I wrote them in my Bible, in the, in the side of the Bible. And, and an 18-year-old kid, I was worried about, I wanted to meet my wife. <laughs> I was ready to get married. I wanted to meet her. I needed a good job because I was unloading trucks at Walmart. And if that's what you do, God bless you. But that was not a good job <laughs> for me. It was hard work. All, it was at night, middle of the night, unloading trucks. And I wanted to know what in the world I was on the planet to do. Those were my three things. And the first thing, when, when, when Paul says, okay, this is, you got, everybody's got worries. Here's the prescription. Number one, write it down. Write it down. That petition, that's what that means. Write it down. You can't defeat what you cannot define. And we'll worry about it all day and all night, and we'll have nightmares over it, and we'll think and think and think. Just get, get some clarity around what it is that you need God to do for you. Write it down. And then the second thing he says, pray. Pray it up. <laughs> Write it down. Pray it up. Don't just put it on a notebook so somebody can see what you've been praying about the last 20 years. But pray it up. Like, give it to God. Pray, pray it up. And, and, and what's crazy is that year I wrote those things down. I still have that Bible. I still can turn to the page where those three things are. That year I met my wife. We started dating. I left Walmart, and you know where I went to work at? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Y'all did. <laughs> Everybody knew that. <laughs> yeah. I started working at Pepsi. That's what I did. And then the church that I was going to started an intern program where I could work during the day or work at night. I worked at night, my first job there, and go to school during the day. And I started seminary. And I know, I'm not saying there's something magical or, or, or you know, incredible about writing it down, but it gives your faith a target. It gives you something to pray about. It puts it, I mean, it, even goals, the science behind goals, if you write it down, you're like twice as likely to fulfill that goal. Write it down. Pray it up. The third thing, he says, prayer petition with thanksgiving. There we go. Thank it out, not think it out. Put it up there on the screen for him. Thank it out. So what does that look like practically? It looks like this. I've prayed about this and it hasn't happened, but I'm going to find something in my life to thank God for. 
is gratitude. The Christian's world is a world of gratitude. When we get outside of a world of gratitude, it's like pulling a fish out of the water and throwing it on the beach. We are not meant to live in that world. We are meant to live in a world of gratitude. And and what we can do to see God answer these things in our life is, is don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. And that's what Paul does. He gives a list after this verse, the next verse, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is pleasant, whatever is noble. Well, who's good, true, pleasant, noble? Come on, somebody. Because it's easy to worry and to get down in a rut, especially when there's things in our life that we're praying about and they're not happening. But if you can be thankful in the valley, if you can worship God like it's already done, And you're still worried and you're still anxious and you still feel the weight of that thing, but you're not going to let that keep you from lifting your hands. And it's like a loop. Pray. Thank God. Right? Think it out. And then breathe it in. Breathe it in. But what does that mean? Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. How is that possible? Are we supposed to live in a monastery, go move away and just live in a, you know, how do we pray without ceasing? It's interesting to me that the first, one of the first names of God, Yahweh, Jewish scholars don't pronounce it, they breathe the name. It's an inhale, Yahweh, and an exhale. So they believe you begin your life and you end your life. The breath for the prayer. You're saying the name of God. So ha ha for all you atheists out there. No, I'm just kidding. Joke's on you. No. But look at Jesus' life. His last breath was a prayer. He's on the cross. Between two guys, they stretched him high, they put him high and stretched him wide. Everybody's seen what was going on. Some people believed, some people didn't. There's seven things he said on that cross, but the last thing he said is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so, just for a moment, I want to give this to you because it's helped me. It's called breath prayers. Because if you're like me, Maybe you don't have time to pray 13 times a day. You got stuff to do. You got work. You got kids. You got responsibilities. But you don't forget to breathe. (laughs) And breath prayers, these are not new age things. These are very old things. The book of Psalms, 71 times, you'll see that word, Selah. It means to pause and breathe. And this has helped me. And I've, I've, I, and I've done it probably hundreds of times in one day. It's the last prayer, the last breath of Jesus. And on that inhale, Father, into your hands, I commit my whatever this is for you right then. For Jesus, it was his spirit. It was his life. For you, it might be some kind of sickness. 
It might be a burden. It might be a person. But breath prayers. Because there's a transfer that happens when we come to God. It's not just talking. We receive. We receive what we need. And it may not change anything that's happening in the world around us, but we receive that peace that we need. We receive that, that comfort that we need. We receive that just that knowing, a sense of it's going to be okay. God's going to work this out. So that's what I want you to do right now. I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And what do you need to commit to God? And I want you to just try that a few times with your inhale. Father, into your hands, I commit my family. Father, into your hands, I commit my future. Father, into your hands, I commit my mind. life that you've given me, this body, Father, into your hands, I commit this body. It's yours. And so, Lord, right now in this moment, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me right now? Is it to not worry? Is it peace, be still? Is it be still and know <laughs> that I am God? You can't work this one out in your own strength. Just be still and know. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to your people this morning. Lord, give us a renewed mind. God, I pray for every person that's had sleepless nights. You're having nightmares. The enemy is, is, is shooting those fiery darts at you, trying to get you to give up, trying to get you to just believe that God isn't good and God doesn't care and that you're alone and that, that, that you got to work this one out on your own. God helped you in the past, but this one's different. Lord, let your mind, your, your, your mind be our mind right now. Let your peace, God, just comfort your people this morning that's struggling with this right now. Anxiety is just keeping them up. It's, it's, it's affecting their heart. It's affecting their, 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 their health. I want you just to do that. If, if, put your hand on your mind. If that, just put your hand on your head right now, if that's you. Just put it on there. Lord, we just pray for peace in the mind right now. Peace in the mind, Lord. We believe that your anointing is real. 
We believe that your peace is real. We believe that there's a peace that calms the storm. We believe that there's peace in the storm. And so right now, every person that's got their hand on their mind, if you, if you just, we just pray for peace in the mind, God. I pray for tonight for just a, a peaceful night's sleep. Not because of anything that's changed, but because you're good and you're faithful and you've got this and you, you know the end from the beginning and we're living our life forward, but you're living it backwards. You have numbered our days. Our destiny is in your hands. Come on, just believe that. That even right now, this did not take God by surprise. Peace in the mind. Peace in the mind.